0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 33, and verses 1 through 9. We'll get there in just a minute. But you know, one of the most... Um, Heartbreaking tragedies that I've ever heard of came to a head on April fifteenth, nineteen twelve, around two twenty a.m. in the morning, and it it was a a catastrophe. It was a catastrophe that, at the time, it it shocked the world, and to this day, it still captivates. It still fascinates the hearts and the, the imaginations. Of millions and there have been countless books and articles written about this event there have been movies that have been made about it there have been museums that have been constructed to commemorate that fateful night when the Titanic a luxury steamship met her unfortunate demise when she struck a massive iceberg that tore a two to three hundred foot gash in her side and she began to fill with water and eventually sank to the bottom of the North Atlantic Ocean. Today, to this day, her corpse still lies dissolving on the ocean floor. And you know, this is one of those stories that when you hear about it, it, it does intrigue you, doesn't it? It's, it's a very intriguing story and a true story. And every time I hear this story, there's a question that comes up in my heart and in, and in my mind. It's a one-question a one-word question, which is this. Why? Why did the Titanic hit that iceberg and why did it sink to the bottom of the ocean in the first place? And also, how? How could a, a ship that took three years to build, it took three years to build this ship, how could it be humbled in less than three hours? two hours and 40 minutes to be exact. And I believe that one of the major contributors to why the Titanic sank was pride. I say this because before the Titanic went out on her maiden voyage, people believed that this was a cruise ship that was virtually unsinkable. And it's, it's reported that there were some who foolishly and blasphemous, blasphemously boasted that this was an ocean liner that, and, I, and I, don't, I don't even like to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It was an ocean liner that even God himself could not sink. That is what was reported, which reminds me of the scripture that says, be not deceived, our God is not mocked. And, and so I believe that it, is, it was pride and overconfidence. Those were two of the main factors that led the captain and the crew to be careless and to not slow down, and and they didn't change course when they entered ice-infested waters. But you know what the sad thing about all this is? Is that they knew about the dangers before they entered into it. Six times, on six different occasions, neighboring ships sent out radio warnings telling them that they were headed towards an icy minefield with, with the last alert coming about an hour before the fatal impact. My point that I'm making here is that they knew. They they were warned, and they had time to respond, but they didn't. They, they didn't listen. And as a result, 1,500 men and women and children perished in a watery grave. And this week, I've been thinking about that, and I've also been thinking about our church a lot um, as we're continuing to move forward in 2021. And I've been thinking about our purpose. I've been thinking about our mission and our, and our current condition, the current state that we are in right now as a church. And, you know, in one sense, when you, when you think about the Titanic, it's, it's kind of like a picture of the world, isn't it? That the world is headed for destruction. But God, in his mercy, he has placed all throughout the world local bodies, local church bodies that are, are to be giving warnings to the world. And just like the ships that sent messages to the Titanic, we have been given a message to send. We have and we've embraced a message, and we've been entrusted with a message from God that listen, if it's rightly proclaimed and it's rightly heeded, it has the power To save lives. It has the power to heal families. It has the power to impact communities and deliver many from eternal shipwreck. And in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about the church and he says, Listen, you guys, the church, that's us, those of us who profess to be his disciples. He says, You are the salt of the earth. In other words, you know, salt preserves, it prevents things from rotting, and salt heals. And so we've been given a message from from the Lord, that is meant to preserve, keep things from rotting, and it is supposed to heal. It, it will heal wounds when it's rightly proclaimed. And also, he says in that same passage, he says, you know, you're the, you're the light of the world. That means that you're supposed to stand out. If you light a light in darkness, it will stand out. You're, you're to be different than the rest of the world. You're, you're to be like a, a city that's set on a hill, That's shining the light into the darkness, showing the pathway from death that leads to life, which is to God. And we're to do this, how? By proclaiming the message that God has given to us. Now, it's not just to the world that we need to proclaim that message. We need to proclaim it to ourselves individually, and we need to proclaim it to one another regularly. We need to be reminded of the gospel. And with this in mind, there are there's, there's two questions this morning that we need to ask as we are moving forward in 2021, as we are assessing our purpose, our mission, and our current condition as a church. Two questions that we need to ask as the world spirals down and as people are perishing around us. Number one is, are we proclaiming the message fully? And number two, are we proclaiming The message faithfully? Are we we proclaiming the message fully? Are we giving the full message? And are we doing it faithfully? Are we giving it to ourselves, to one another, and to the world? So I want to look at the first question Are we proclaiming the message fully? And if you were able to listen to the message last week, you know that I spent time highlighting that our God is gracious, that he's merciful, that he's kind, that he's with us, that he's for us. Ultimately, what I was trying to convey is that our God loves us and he cares about us and he's with us. And we, we as a church at Reach Life Church, we want that message to be loud and clear. We want to be a New Testament church that motivates and encourages, not with guilt and not with shame, and not with fear. That's not what we want to be motivated by. We want to be motivated by the grace that comes from the gospel. And, you know, grace is part of the message. That is part of the gospel message. And for me, personally, this is actually the fun part of the message. I I love to proclaim this part of the message, because who doesn't, when you're talking to someone, who doesn't want to hear that they're special, that they're important, that they're valuable, and that that God cares about them? That is something that is true, and it's something that we need to hear on a regular basis. Everybody, you know, that's, that's the fun part of the message. But if that's all we preach to a rebellious and a dying world, then we have not fully delivered the entire message that is needed to be truly saved. And so I want you to think back to the Titanic 1912, what if the nearby ships who knew the perils that lay ahead of the Titanic, what if they had radioed the ship and said, you know what, man, your ship is beautiful. It's amazing. You know, you got this girl. Go girl. You got this. You're unsinkable. If they had radioed that, what would we be thinking about them today? If they did not warn them of the dangers that lay ahead, we would see them as cruel and heartless flatterers if they knew the danger that lay ahead. And this is the same, listen, church, this is the same that is true of the church because there is a part of the gospel message that the world doesn't want to hear, that the world puts its fingers in its ears because to the world it is offensive. And that part is this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you are proud, if you are self-righteous, if you trust in yourself, you don't want to be told that you're wrong. You don't want to be told that you're guilty, that you are accountable to a living God who created you. You don't want to be told that you're weak and that you're needy and that you need a savior. But you know what? The truth is, that's true. We all are weak. We all are guilty before God. We all have been wrong and headed in the wrong direction. We all are needy and we all need a savior. But you know what the good news is, is that we do have a savior. It's not just a savior. It is the only savior and his name is Jesus. And he's coming back. This is the part of the message that I wanna focus on this morning, is that Jesus is coming back. And we need to warn others that Jesus is returning. And you might be asking, why do we need to warn people that, warn, why are you using that word warn that Jesus is coming back? Because I thought that Jesus was a love your enemy, you know, turn the other cheek kind of guy. And the truth is on his first visit on his first advent. We just celebrated Christmas, celebrating the time that Jesus came into the, to the earth when he descended from heaven and took on flesh. The first time he came, he came what? To offer terms of peace, to call us to come back, though we had rebelled. And he did this by, by coming as what, is what the Bible calls the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God who was to die in our place, so that our sins would be paid for. And now we can be right with God and with, right with one another. That's what he did the first time he came. But the second time when he comes back, he's not going to appear as a lowly servant, but rather as the conquering king who, according to Matthew 25, he will separate the sheep from the goats. He will separate those who are blessed and who are going to inherit the eternal kingdom from those who Jesus says are cursed those who will suffer eternal, what Jesus says, fire, eternal, what Jesus says, punishment. There are two camps and you're in one or the other. There's no in-between camp. You're either a sheep or you are a goat. And when, and when Jesus comes back, he's coming to judge and he's going to divide between the two and he's going to remove from his kingdom those who don't want him to be their king. The apostle John had a a vision of this second coming, and it's found in Revelation chapter 19, beginning with verse 11. I want us to look at that. This is what John saw. He said, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is speaking clearly of Jesus. It says, his eyes are like a flame of fire. I want you to think about that. His eyes are, what does that mean? It means that he can see through anything. He knows all. He knows our motives, what we're doing in in the depths of our heart. That no one else knows, Jesus has eyes of fire. He can see why we do what we do and our motives. It says, and on his head were our many diadems. That means crowns. and, And he was... On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horse horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. This is a picture of what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. And I do want to be clear here that there are going to be, his church uh, will be filled with joy and rejoicing. Uh, There's going to be feasting for those who are his when he comes to take his church. But there are also going to be many when Christ returns, there are going to be many that are filled with great sorrow, great regret, great fear and and terror. And and you know, this is the part right here. This is the part of the message that can be difficult to preach. Can it? I mean, as long as we're as we're preaching about a little baby in the manger or about a humble peasant man who feeds the poor and and he heals the sick and and who teaches love and and tolerance which he didn't teach tolerance but if we're if, if people see him as that kind of teacher you know uh, everything's kind of good now I would say that when we preach a Jesus like that and that's the only Jesus we preach then the world they they kind of tolerate us they, they don't they don't re- really respect the king but they, but they you know they won't They don't really see us as a threat. But if you preach about judgment and if you preach about the conquering king that is coming back, suddenly the gospel becomes dangerous. And the world system, the system that is still controlled and and overseen by the demonic forces by Satan himself, that world system is hostile towards the full gospel and will be hostile to those who fully proclaim it. Greg Morse from Desiring God Ministry writes, Many are content with God's love consisting in only tender kindness and unbroken gentleness. They wish for his love to be wholly devoted to their immediate happiness, however they choose to seek it. Tenderness seems to be the unimpeachable disposition some imagine of God tender towards our dreams, tender towards our desires, tender toward our bank accounts and sins. This God of love, quote unquote, takes no miracle of grace to adore. And look at this, it says, the atheist doesn't mind this God. And so the question I wanna start by asking this morning is are we proclaiming the message fully? let us not forget that the message that leads to life first calls us to die. It is a message of both truth and grace. So number one, are we proclaiming the message fully? Secondly, are we proclaiming the message faithfully? Now, there was this guy whose name was Ezekiel. He lived about 2,600 years ago, and he was God's prophet. He was God's spokesman to the nation of Israel back in the day. And And when uh, Israel broke faith with God, God sent the nation into exile. He allowed a a foreign country by the name of Babylon to come in and conquer them. And while they were in in Babylon, God spoke through Ezekiel and other prophets to the people. And in chapter 3, Ezekiel chapter 3, we're finally to our passage. Uh, In Ezekiel chapter 33, God instructs Ezekiel on how faithfully delivering a difficult message looks like. And so I want to look at that passage right now. Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them, and make him their watchman. Now I want to stop here and just explain that a watchman is someone that would stand on top of a wall, kind of like a a guard in a prison that would stand on the top of a wall and would be looking out. His sole purpose was to stay awake, stay alert, and to watch for enemies, invading enemies or any dangers that would be coming against the city. And if he saw them, it was his duty to blow the trumpet and to make sure that the people had time to respond to the enemy that was coming, that they could be ready for the attack. Verse 3 says, and if he, the watchman, sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, if someone doesn't, they hear the trumpet, they don't listen, they don't respond, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood, that is the individual who didn't listen, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. In other words, it's, it's his fault that he perished. Verse 6 says, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, is not faithful to do what he was called to do. So that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my, from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O oh, wicked one, you shall die, surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. What is God desiring? He's desiring the wicked to turn back. But if you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in in his iniquity, but his blood I will, will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. What we see here is that God gave Ezekiel messages which he was to to faithfully and fully to deliver to the children of Israel. And as long as he clearly warned the people with the full message, he was innocent regardless of how they responded. However, if he withheld the message, if he failed to give the message or give it fully, he would be held responsible. And church, listen, I believe that this morning that God wants to remind us that we are God's watchmen in 2021. God has given us not a message, but the message that is to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And the question that I'm asking myself, and and I want you to ask yourself this, are we being faithful to deliver the message fully? Are we being faithful, faithfully warning and reminding each other? This is something that we need to stir one another up and remind one another. Are we stirring ourselves up and reminding each other and the city in which we live, wherever God has us placed? Do we live our lives in such a way that people understand that there is an impending judgment? Why? So we can control people? So that we can make people feel bad? No, it's so that we will be prepared for the day that Jesus comes back. That we'll be getting ready. I mean, this, the time, listen, this can be a fearful thing, but it's only fearful if you're not ready. But if you're ready, it's a time of rejoicing that our Savior has finally come back to get us. And Jesus says that many, though, will not be ready on the day that He returns. Many will not be ready. Matthew 24, verse 36 says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. You know, over the centuries, there have been men and women who have tried to tell us the exact day that Jesus was going to come back. The last one that I personally remember was back in 1988. Uh, it's, it said, uh, 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 1988. Guess what? He didn't come back. Guess what? They were wrong. Why? Because Jesus said, concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Then he says in verse 37, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about Noah. Is he saying that the earth is going to get flooded again? Absolutely not. He made a promise to never flood the earth again. He put a rainbow in the the sky to be a covenant sign that he was going to keep his word, that he will never flood the entire earth again. So how is it going to be like the days of Noah? Verse 38 tells us how. For in... Those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that when he comes back, the world is going to be living life, business as usual. And many will be swept away in judgment unexpectedly. But listen, church, listen, Reach Life. May it not be because the church was unfaithful to deliver the message that we have been entrusted with. May it not be because we were afraid or apathetic or asleep at our post, or worse yet, that we went AWOL, that we lost our saltiness, that the light that we were, be, were given turned to darkness. And this happens. You know how this happens? It happens by not preaching the full message because you want to fit in. You want to be relevant. You want to be accepted by this world. But I want to remind us all that the world did not accept Jesus or his message. That's why they put him to death. The world did not accept Jesus and the world is not going to accept his true disciples. And so I believe that God is calling us as a church to to wake up, to, to shake off sluggishness, to wake up from our sleep, to repent so that we can move forward. And you know what the best way to wake up is? it is to be sure that you're growing. If we're gonna be effective watchmen and watch women and watch teens in the coming year, we gotta make sure that we're growing. And I wanna give us four areas that we need to grow in, that we need to continue to grow in. Now, what I'm gonna share with you is nothing new. It's what we've built this church on. It's what we've sought to build build this church on. But I want to remind us, as we're entering into 2021, as we continue to move for, forward, four areas that we need to continue to grow in. Number one, we need to continue to grow in the gospel. Surprise, surprise. We want to be a gospel-centered church. And you know, in John 15, Jesus talking about a vine and a branch. He says, if a branch doesn't remain in a, in a vine, what? It shrivels up and dies and is thrown into the fire. It's it's, it's useless. It can't be used. He says, in the same way, you cannot, uh, let me just read the, the verse. It says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the foundation of everything that we do, the base of everything starts with the gospel because it is according to, Paul in Romans 1.16, it is the power of God for salvation. It is the power. We need power, don't we? It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, not just to get saved, but to grow and to move forward. The gospel is that, is that uh, power that empowers every area of growth in the life of a believer, in the, in the life of a disciple, in the life of a watchman. So we need to number 1 continue to grow in the gospel. Secondly, we need to grow in fellowship. Now, I know that this is kind of a difficult thing. We need to stay connected right now, and I know this has been a, a extremely extremely difficult season to do this. And but we need to to be intentional and fight to be to stay connected, to be together, to be around one another as best that we can. We can because Hebrews 3:13 says this. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today. Encourage one another day after day. We have to be in each other's lives, Jared, don't we, in order to encourage one another. So that none of you, listen, will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin that's deceitful is what puts us to sleep, isn't it? sin. We need to be around each other. We need to be around each other encouraging one another. And I'm not necessarily saying face-to-face. If possible, let's do that. If you can stay uh, safe and do that, yes, let's do that. But you know, um, there are people that live in uh, California. Nancy and Charlie live in California. They have stayed, I hope you're listening this morning, but they have stayed connected with our church body. And here's, here's some ways that we can stay connected. Number one, we're doing it right now. We're, we're coming together. We're hearing the word of God preached. Secondly, on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, we're going to be having MCs one here on Tuesday nights. We're going to be meeting here. And then if you're unable to attend in person, it's, you're not in a place where you can do that. We're on Thursday nights at 6.30, we're gonna be having Zoom. Now you may not like that and, and that's not the best way to do things, but it may be right now the best way to do it. So let's not let's take away barriers that keep us from getting together and having fellowship. Number three, if we are going to be faithful and alert watchmen, we need to grow in prayer. We need to grow in prayer. You know, on the night that... Jesus was betrayed, and he was in the garden. Do you remember his disciples, what they were? They were sleepy. What did Jesus say to them? He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And so if we're going to stand together, we have also got to kneel together. And we're going to have to be intentional about this because it will not happen by accident. If we're not intentional about prayer, it will not happen. D.A. Carson said, unless we plan to pray, we will not pray. In other words, if we don't schedule prayer into our busy schedules, we will never do it consistently. And so what we are, as a church, one of the things that we're wanting to do as we're continuing to move forward is on Monday nights, we're going to be continuing to pray the ladies at eight o'clock on Zoom. And then on Wednesday, not uh, on Wednesday nights, not this week, but the next, we're going to begin back, gentlemen, we're going to be praying at seven o'clock on Zoom. But if we're gonna see God move, if we're gonna see God work, we have to acknowledge that we're weak. And prayer is one of those things where we acknowledge, God, we need you. It's all the way that we praise him, that we worship him, that we pray for one another, that we see God do things in our midst. So we need to grow in the gospel, in fellowship, in prayer. And lastly, we need to grow in the word. Jesus says in John 8, 31 through 32, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, that means to soak in, to remain in, to stay in. If you marinate yourself in my word, you are truly my disciples. Let me ask you, let me read that again and, and get your thoughts on this. This is kind of like a disciple test, a discipleship test. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Ask yourself this, do I abide? Am I abiding in Christ's word? He says, and you will know the truth. If you abide my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. That word truth, another word that could be put there is you will know the reality. You will know reality. You will walk in reality if you abide in my word and the truth or reality will set you free. Don't you wanna be, do do you wanna walk in reality? Now, the truth is, here's the truth. Many don't wanna walk in the reality. Want to walk in reality, but do you want to walk in reality? Do you want to walk free from fear and doubt and guilt? Do you want to be stable and steady with your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts? Then we need to grow in abiding in the Word of God. And one of the things that we are that we are doing this year that we haven't done in the past is we are offering um, a 2021 New Testament Bible reading plan, and Basically, this you can get this when you came in. I don't know if did anyone get this when you came in. So, if you didn't, these are back at the welcome center. If you're online, if you go on our front page, there is a button that you can press and the whole list for the entire year is there to go through the New Testament. It's a five basically a 5-day reading plan because I know that sometimes you can miss a day and that gives you the opportunities to catch up. But we spread just the New Testament across the entire year, which averages about a chapter a day on the five days that, that that you read. So it's not a whole lot for most of us. It might be uh, uh, a lot for some of us, but it's something that I believe is obtainable. With that in mind, here's another way to go through the Bible as you're reading: is to listen. Listen to the Word of God. You can account, you could do your all your your entire day of reading by listening to the Word of God. So that's another way, another option. That you can that you can use as you're moving forward and I want to make sure that I'm clear that this morning I'm not up here trying to to give you guys new year's resolutions that we need to do the things I just shared are uh, disciplines spiritual disciplines that we're called to do on a regular basis these are they're on the wall over here with our core of scriptures these are basic uh, truths that we want to be our church to be built on and maybe what I've shared it seems like too much for you to take in and and, and that's okay, but I wanna encourage you not to not do anything. Did you know that maybe you look at this reading schedule like, man, that is way too much for me to do. Let me ask you this. How much did you read last year regularly? Did you know that if you read just one verse a day, you would read 1% of the Bible in a year? If you just read one verse a day, what about if you read 10 verses a day? Grant, how many, how, what percentage have you read 10 verses? yes. What if you read 100 A 100%, yeah. But you may not be able to do that, but we can all read one verse, right? Wherever you're at, take a little step more than what you've been doing. Don't pile yourself so heavy that this is a burden. We want to grow. We want to do do things uh, uh, incrementally. And you know that successful people, you know that people that are successful, they just do little things consistently over and over it's called the compound effect we don't have time to go into that right now but you do you do something small consistently in time you're going to see growth and you know I know that this morning that this message has has got had some weight to it and uh, it's been maybe a little bit heavy to you but you know the truth is we're talking about eternal matters aren't we we're talking about heaven we're talking about hell and and like I said before, like the Titanic, this world that we live in is headed towards destruction. This, this world is headed towards an iceberg, which is actually Jesus. And, and we have been trusted with a message that has the power to get us ready for his return, that gives, it, that gives us the power to be forgiven and to, to be excited about Christ's return. And so I just want to encourage us that as we move forward in 2021, that we will soberly consider the things that I've shared and that we will be faithful to live and fully proclaim the good news that Christ has given us. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, you, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life and when you speak Your words are always true. Your your, your words are always true and reliable. And you promised that you would come to earth and that you would save your people, and you did. You promised that you would die and be buried and, and rise again from the dead, and you did. And you ascended into heaven. And you promised that you're coming back. You promised, and everything you say is true you are coming back. And so I ask that this morning, as we remember that, I pray that we would remember that your desire is to save. Your desire is to forgive. Your desire is to bring life and to bring it abundantly. Your desire is not to conquer and destroy. But if people will not come to you, if we will not repent, if people will not trust in you, you must remove them. And so, Lord, knowing this truth that you are coming back, I pray that you would help us to preach the gospel to ourselves, that you would help us to preach the gospel to one another, and that you would give us the power this year to be the watchmen in our city, wherever you have us planted, wherever you have us working or playing that you would help us to fully and faithfully proclaim the message that you are returning, that you love us, and that you want us to be with you in the eternal kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.